From Al's Toy Barn, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two guys whose defeat will be Zerg's greatest triumph, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. I have no idea what that reference means, but Corey, would you tell us uh, who sent that one in? That was written by Lorenzo Rafa. There's a button on his back that makes him speak Spanish. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, you do. <laughs> I know. You really don't story. know what that means. It's a Toy Story It's like the funniest scene in Toy Story 3. I know. It is. By the way, I'm going to apologize in advance for my voice. Which is the reason we didn't have a show last week, because uh, you... you oh, blame it on me. It's, it's all it your was fault. your cocaine habit. Yeah, that too. Finally came to the fore. Speaking of, I uh, I just saw Contraband, the uh, Mark Wahlberg thing, which has a whole kind of cocaine plot in it. That's great. Yeah. Not wait, so much. Wait, there's big news. Yeah, there's a lot of news, actually. Big Blu-ray news. Yeah, it is. Here's the thing, Wade. James Bond. Oh, yeah. There is going to be the most unbelievable 50th anniversary, 50 years of James Bond. 22 movies. Every single Blu-ray. James Bond. On Blu-ray. On Blu-ray in a box set. Doesn't matter if it's MGM, Fox, whoever released it. It's all coming together on this one Blu-ray, which will yep. be amazing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. From Dr. No. Yep. All the way up to the horrible Quantum of Solace. Uh, it's all there. It's going to be fantastic. A couple of other interesting uh Developments in the world of Blu-ray and DVD. You're not even listening to me. Sure, I am. I didn't say when it was coming out. Well, go ahead. I did. No, round no, it out. No, no, go ahead. Round I, it out. I didn't say anything. You want me to just read verbatim off of the uh, the press release? Well, the press release doesn't say when it's coming out. Oddly enough, so I don't really know. I, although I, I heard it's coming out in the uh, either the third or fourth quarter of this year. Well, you can pre-order it. It's on Amazon now to be pre-ordered. Yeah, you, you can pre-order it, which they love. They, they get your money, and uh, then you just sit around and wait and twiddle your thumbs. And But by the time you get it, you've forgotten that you gave them the money like six months ago, and it seems free. <laughs> it's too funny. Uh, no, there's a couple, another interesting development is that Warner Brothers has extended their disc embargo to 56 days. Yeah, well, you know what? Here's the That's, thing. That is really fascinating. Well, it's actually stupid because what's going to happen is all these companies like Redbox and whatnot, the only thing is is that they're just going to have to spend more money to get Warner Brothers DVDs and Blu-rays. True. Because, you know, Redbox can just frankly almost just go to the store and buy 50 of them. Which is the other interesting development as well, that uh, HBO is uh, yanking their licensing agreement with uh, Netflix. So Netflix no longer gets the discounted HBO stuff at all. Well, they can buy it from a wholesaler. They can buy it from a middleman. But the the direct deal that they had with HBO is is being terminated. So really, you have Netflix having to go to a middleman for HBO product and spend a, and spend a lot more money. Yeah, for HBO product for one reason, and uh, and MGM product. It was MGM, right? Uh, which. The, the 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 news today about about the the 50, oh, Warner Brothers the fifty six days, yes, um, yes. You have to they have to uh, Netflix has to deal with the middleman for yes uh, Warner Brothers be a good time to be a wholesaler and HBO step in there for and, two different uh, reasons yeah just be the be the new middleman step in there on both of those deals and just uh, Redbox and Netflix it up that is true and the thing is that you is that Warner Brothers it's like they think they're punishing. Redbox and Netflix? No, they're not. I mean, yes, it will cost Redbox and Netflix more to obtain a Warner Brothers title, but they can still get it. uh, Yeah, they'll still get it. And I think in the end, uh, just those individual companies, it's it's going to be a minimal impact on their content costs. Although, you know, you you just don't know what's going to happen if everybody starts jacking up their deals. It it could make the the content costs prohibitive. But don't forget too is that is that if you're a streaming company like Netflix, you only have to buy that Warner Brothers title once. And by the way, Ultraviolet. Our our favorite cloud-based uh, digital locker, who knows what it is, uh, is now officially going to be supported by Samsung and Amazon. Yes. That's an announcement from CES. Terrible. Yeah. Well, the big deal was that Blu-ray sales are up 20%. They were up 20% last year. Isn't that great? 
It is yep. great. It that's, is great. That, I think it's wonderful. No, uh, you know what? Uh, that people are they're, they're buying more uh, PlayStation 3s. They're mm-hmm. buying more set-top boxes. And they're buying, finally, the big TVs because they're getting down to an affordable level. Oh, yeah. They've been down to an affordable level for a while. These, these Vizio, you know, you, you go to Costco. Yeah, I know. These enormous 50-inch Vizio uh, screens, yeah. they're like 400 bucks. I know. They're like nothing. So, Mark, we should talk about some DVDs. Um, I got a couple here that I think are really important, and I think they're important because you used to work with this woman. So no, I didn't. Didn't no, you? Didn't. Sure you did. Didn't, no, you, didn't. didn't you work with? You didn't? Not, not, I did not work with Brooke Burke. Burke. I work with Brooke Burns. Oh, see, I always get them confused. And by the way, people, people get them confused. I did, I did too. I used to work with Brooke Burns. Okay. So go ahead with your Brooke Burke thing. All right, fine. Well, Brooke Burke, what, what does she do? So she's not the dog-eat-dog girl. That was Brooke Burns. That was Brooke Burns. Oh, see. Blew my whole thing. Brooke well, anyway. Burke had a show on... Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. They all have shows. Yeah. Uh, well, Brooke Burke is here with her just insanely tight abs, and uh, she's got a couple of uh, exercise DVDs here. Transform your body with Brooke Burke. Uh, one is strengthen and condition, and the other one is tone and tighten. And uh, you know, it's for men and women. I'm telling you, she'll uh, don't don't just think this is uh, you know for uh, neglected housewives to sit at home and uh, you know get their abs in shape for the milkman. No, 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 no. That's not what this is all about. She is uh, she's a 40 year old mother of four. By golly, does she look 40 to you? Good grief. Well, she's amazingly tight. But here's the thing: don't forget. Obviously, there's genes involved yeah. and, and good yeah. luck and whatever, but it's her job. Actually, it's not genes. It's like, it's more like sweatpants. The exactly. yeah. thing is that people don't – people have to remember, it's her job yes, to, to look stay good. in that kind of shape. Mm-hmm. She's not born that way. She works more than you would ever want to work in order to stay that. And, and frankly, yeah. m- most people – don't want to work that hard. They, no. they don't want to be in the gym six hours a day, six days a week. Well, there's three workouts on uh, each of these, and uh, it's, it's good stuff. You know, she's on here with this guy, Greg Jujon Roche. So there's a, there's a male element to it, so you don't feel just uh, completely dorked out. But uh, there you go. A couple of, a couple of exercise DVDs to uh, start off the year and burn off all that uh, holiday food fat. Uh, and then we've also got uh, Greatest Super Bowl Moments. Uh, which is getting everybody ready, obviously, for the uh, NFL playoffs, which are just a big yawner. Wake, uh, well, absolutely very exciting to say. Uh, what you know, I've been be? sick. Hmm? So I've been staying, uh, uh, yeah. spending a bunch of time at home. Yeah. And on Sunday, I did something. What did you do? That I have not done all year. Mm-hmm. I, watched a, I watched a football game. Really? Yes. And how did that go for you? It was okay. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, the, uh, it was the Tim Tebow game. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of fun. I have not watched a football Football, I get into in the playoffs. Are you one of those who uh, who who watches the Broncos and just uh, sports a T boner? Good night, everybody. Thank you. Uh, anyway, greatest Super Bowl moments for Super Bowl uh, one through. Um, how, how come Tim Tebow thanks God when he wins? What happens when he loses? That means God has forsaken him. Uh, I, I don't have an Does God that. decide, hey, I'm kind of busy. I'll, I, I'm not going to interfere on this I, one. And I, I have no answer for that. I don't really watch the NFL anymore. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a few interesting things in here. This is clearly just something that they uh, threw out there to uh, try and drum up a few sales uh, just based on, uh, you know, the current season. But there's some interesting stuff in here, some uh, nice little highlights from uh, previous Super Bowls past that I'd entirely forgotten about. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's diverting, but it's, uh, it's nothing of, of tremendous substance. Um, Mark, do we uh, want to cover some music and comedy? How, how about that? We do. And I want to talk about Tom Petty because I'm a huge Tom Petty fan. I know you are. Good old all-American roots rock. Yeah. Love the Tom Petty. He's not a good-looking guy, but he's a great musician. He is probably the ugliest man in rock and roll. But he's just such a great musician. <laughs> if you took like, you know, there are two ugly men in rock and roll. Well, here's the thing. Rock and roll generally is filled uh, with ugly people. Larry Bird? No. Tom Petty and Getty Lee. Oh, jeez. From Rush. Yeah. If those two had a child, it would have to be aborted in the <laughs> hospital by the doctors. You know, nothing good will come of this. I'm yeah. going to abort this child. That's true. Um, anyway, this is called uh, Tom Petty uh, and the Heartbreakers Live in Concert. This is a Blu-ray. And uh, it's good stuff. Very stylishly shot. And they sing all their classic songs. The only thing is that the um, the drummer, uh, Lynch, his last name was Lynch, he has since left the band. He's been not been with the band for a while. That's and they a have, bummer. Um, 
Yeah, this other guy, Steve Ferrone, doing drums. And he's, he's fine, but Stan Lynch was like the original Heartbreaker yeah. drummer, but he's kind of gone. Right. But still, even though Stan Lynch isn't there, they got all the great songs here. They got uh, also a couple of um, Traveling Wilbury songs, which I really like. Uh, it's about 15, 20 songs on here, and they're great. I love, you know what? These guys are classic. I like the Traveling Wilburys. That was such, I'm, I'm so sad that that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, well, it well two of them died, it's, I know. That'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's a Blu-ray. It looks good. Like it a lot. This is good stuff. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers live in concert. Swank. Swank. I like Chris Isaac. And uh, this is Chris Isaac live in concert and Greatest Hits live concert. Uh, Chris Isaac, of course, is, you know, most famous not for his music, but for his uh, appearance in um, Twin Peaks. Right? Okay. Sure, sure. Okay, sure. You say so. Why, right? No, not at all. Uh, no, two concerts on here, and they're both great. And Chris Isaac is just, you know, he's got, he, he's got that cool style. It's kind of like, a, it's like kind of a 50s rockabilly pop. A folksy rock and roll thing. It's with a little bit of country. A little bit of country. It's it's his he's own cool. deal. It's he, his no, own. he's very much like um, Dwight Yoakam. He's almost like a mainstream Dwight Yoakam. Very very good point. You know, our friend Dave uh, is good friends with Dwight Yoakam. That is very true. He produces a lot of his videos. Uh, no, there's a lot of great stuff on here, and uh, Chris Isaac is just terrific live. And this is on Blu-ray, so you get really, really good lossless audio. You can just turn it on and turn the TV off, and just let it roll through the receiver, and you'll love it. Uh, a lot of songs here I had never heard before. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, "Wicked Game" is the one that everybody always zeroes in on, but uh, "Diddly Daddy" is a terrific song. Uh, he does a great rendition of "Only the Lonely" that is just to die for. Uh, San Francisco Days is a really, really good song, too. And uh, Baby Did a Bad, Bad Thing, we've all heard. But, boy, it's really cool live. Uh, and then um, yes, yeah, wait. finish off the music, and then, and then I'll get into the comedy. Uh, maybe I will. Ringo Starr uh, at the Roundhead. R- Ringo Starr and the Roundheads. This oh, I liked I a lot. I love Ringo. Well, Ringo Starr, this is solo stuff. This is all of his solo stuff. He's got a backing band called the Roundheads. They shot this in... Um, Does it have Caveman on it? Huh? Is Caveman the movie on this? Oh, my God. I love Caveman. Um, Dennis Quaid and Shelley Long. They shot this. It was a one-night-only deal. Oh, shut up. It was a one-night-only deal in uh, Illinois, and uh, there's a lot of great songs on this thing, a lot of solo stuff, a lot of Beatles stuff, Octopus Garden, I Want to Be Your Man, um, Yellow Submarine, Little Help for My Friends. It's just terrific. It's really well shot since it's new stuff. Sounds great. It's on Blu-ray. It's Ringo Starr and the uh, Roundheads. Good, good and, stuff. And but the irony is, they none of them have round heads. They're more oval. Yeah, exactly. We got a couple of uh, comedy DVDs here, and weight factors into both of them. And I'll tell you why. Gabriel Iglesias uh, presents Stand Up Revolution. Fluffy's back, and he brought his friends. Now, Gabriel Iglesias is one of the uh, portly comics. Uh, there's a few of them, and uh, he's one of the portlier ones. And I think he's hysterical. I just love... He does things with his voice that just absolutely wipe me out. And uh, this is great. This is really, really fun. It's, um, it's not just Gabriel Iglesias, obviously. It is uh, about 40, 45 minutes of material that he does. And then um, a, about a good baker's dozen worth of other guys who show up. And it's just... It's good stand-up comedy. It's really fun stuff. Uh, that's from Paramount. And then even better, even better is Carlos Mencia, New Territory. I know a lot of people don't like Carlos Mencia, but you know what? He's leaned up. He's lost weight. He lost a lot of weight. He lost a lot of weight. This and was he a, looks um, great. This was a Comedy Central special. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. he uh, unveiled his new... He, he, the guy lost 70 pounds. I know. It's incredible. He looks amazing. I mean, he could be like a movie star now. Oh yeah, he's you know, just—he's cut and he's chiseled, and it's—it's it's fantastic. It's amazing how good he looks. He's the kind of—he's the kind of movie star who steals material from other comics. See, they always say that, but it's like I—what I, is he stealing? Like, what is he stealing? Jokes, actual jokes. Oh, his stuff—he's so funny. Yes, he's funny doing other people's material, no, not I've giving never, them credit I've for it. I've never seen anyone else do the material. Like, I, like you've seen every stand-up comic ever. I have. I mean, it was a big deal in 2007 when Joe Rogan kind of confronted Mencia. During a set at the comedy store in L.A. and said, you're stealing material. And it's on video. The video went viral. It was a big deal in 2007. Yeah, that's Joe Rogan. I, I used to work with Joe Rogan. I know you did. 
Anyway, uh, well, th- w- there's a bonus thing on here if you if you really want to know. It's uh, Carlos Mencia's Guide to Getting Fit. So he, in addition to just being incredibly funny, uh, he he tells you exactly how he took the weight off. So there you go. Get your uh, you can you know if you don't want to take the weight off, watch Gabriel Iglesias and his friends. If you want to take the weight off, watch Carlos. But uh, either way. Both very, very funny men. I like them both. Don't care if he steals material. Steal and make better. You know, Tarantino have, does it. I have to say, you have the worst taste in comedy. You really always have. <laughs> like, Carlos, like if, if, if Carlos Mencia and Jay Leno did a double bill, yes. you'd be in heaven. Um, Two of the least funniest people ever. I, that's probably pretty true. I would be really very, I would be elated if that were, yeah, I could, I could handle that. For sure. You betcha. Uh, let's do regular uh, regular movies, Mark. Let's just uh, fill people in on what's new to Blu-ray and new to DVD and uh, yeah. going to make their lives better. Okay. Sure, why let's, not? Let's do that. Let's do that. Well, Wade, there's a movie, Wade. Is there? Just one? <laughs> yes. Gosh, what a boring world that would be. Um, Every he- movie theater in the world showing just the one movie all the time. Stop that. How dare you? Uh, Heavenly Creatures is out on Blu-ray. Oh. Now, this is from 1994. So, you know, and it's nicely shot, but it's... a relatively low budget you know for the time so it's not like a super blu-ray extravaganza but if you like the film you may want to go for it it's very offbeat and very sort of you know darkly witty and kind of gory this is where uh, peter jackson really um came of age came of age and uh people just love this movie it's very original and uh you can tell that jackson just has total command of what he wants to do it looks great he shot it really well it's um it's even a little bit campy very stylish, and uh, it's just a terrific film. Kate Winslet is in it, obviously, and uh, she's really the only one who kind of survived and had a great career on this film, although everybody in it is good, including Melanie Linsky, who really is sort of the lead role. Um, but Kate Winslet also kind of came to our attention based on Heavenly Creatures, and um, it's good. The um, Blu-ray has no uh, special features except a trailer, which, of course, absolutely sucks, but the movie is great. Uh, Fernando Moraes uh, was an amazing interview when I met him. He is the Brazilian filmmaker who was best known, really, for doing uh, The Constant Gardener. But he, before that, he became famous for something else, which was the breakthrough Brazilian film City of God. Uh, just a great, which is great, un- freaking great movie. So unbelievable. City of God uh, is, is really like a Brazilian Goodfellas. Isn't that the best way to put it? It's a great, yeah, totally. It's unbelievable. Totally. It's a great film. It's, you know, the, the epic tale of these kids from the City of God slum uh, outside Rio de Janeiro and the, 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 the drug culture that they grow up in and over time what happens to these kids. Uh, it really is. It's just an epic saga, and it, it manages to be both romantic and gritty at the same time, which is always an incredible achievement. Um, and it's based in, in fact. I don't know how much of it is embellished, but certainly most of the characters are actually real people. So uh, you're obviously going to get a little bit of dramatic license in there, but it, it's just it's a tremendous film. And what's really interesting about this uh, there's this weird thing that goes on with foreign films, you know, with the where you know you can qualify for best foreign language film one year, and then you can qualify for the Academy Awards the next year because it's a different qualification process. You have to be released in the country of origin in the in the one calendar year, but you can you know whatever year you're released in the United States, that's the year you qualify for the rest of the Oscars. Sometimes it it happens in the same year, but in the case of City of God. It was uh, it qualified in one year for foreign language film, and then the following year it was released theatrically, and uh, wound up getting an Oscar nomination for uh, for best director, which was weird because it didn't it didn't qualify for best foreign language film. It didn't it didn't get the nomination. Well, plus the at, the, year. at the time it seemed like really that didn't we already like have we already been to that party? I know. I you know, know. It's like it's like 19 months yeah, later, and it's nominated yeah. for an Oscar. But yeah. it's just a tremendous film, you know. Yeah, and all all that on location shooting in, in Rio and these uh, favelas, these uh, slums. Yeah, it's just amazing stuff. The photography is breathtaking, and yep. the kids are incredible. And the, the music's are... great. I love the music. Oh, it's so good. It's just everything about it, everything just clicks, just like Goodfellas, just like Velvet Goldmine. I'm I'm kind of mixed on Velvet Goldmine. Yeah, so but, am I. You know, it's the it's the the. Todd Haynes' movies all kind of have the same problem, except to varying degrees, which is that he's, he's an avant-gardist, he's an experimentalist, and he's a stylist, but he's not a narrative guy. And so the movies always look good. They always have real, really nice stylistic flourishes. There are always moments that are very memorable and, and 
but somehow narratively they don't always hang together. Far yeah, from but, Heaven did, but you know this one it's kind of all over the map. But weren't you absorbed in the idea of a rock star who oh, fakes his own suicide? Oh, totally. And then the Christian Bale plays the reporter who has to go find him. But it's Citizen Kane. That's the problem. Well, and then it okay. has the, it has the, I mean it's basically a Citizen Kane structure and uh, with you know kind of a glam rock. I think Velvet right. Goldmine came first. Yeah, maybe. But I'll tell you, though, I mean, what a great cast. Ewan McGregor, Jonathan Rhys Myers, Christian Bale. I mean, all, you know, jeez, I mean, it's a tremendous cast. And uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers is awesome. As awesome. well he is. Did we talk about last night, last time? I think we did, but uh, we may have missed it. I did, I did not notate it. Um, we did. And I said that it actually wasn't, it's not a great film, but it's not a piece of junk. And really, that's high praise. Yeah. It's got a good cast, Kira Knightley, Sam Worthington, Eva Mendes. I have to say, regarding Kira Knightley, uh, it seems like um, Dangerous Method has fallen off the map in terms of Oscars. It's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen at all. No. She's, she's just terrible in it. She's she, terrible. she does the whole mental illness thing. Yeah, no, she's thing. awful. It, it, there really is, it's so hard to play that kind of a role without looking as if you're just saying, award me. Yep. You know, it's really, it's pretty thankless. And she's bad. She's bad in the movie. But um, last night is not that bad. Again, Sam Worthington, Eva Mendez, Griffin Dunn, uh, Guillaume Canet. It's a good cast. It's not a bad film, but we talked about it last week. Mark, when I say rank, what comes to mind? Uh, Rankin Bass, the animators. You were supposed to say things that smell bad. Things that smell bad. Uh, the uh, ongoing rank collection releases from VCI are just tremendous. You know, uh, rank made some of the best films uh, that came out of the UK for quite a period of time. And uh, they, you know, most people associate rank with like the 1950s and whatnot. It's no, they they kept going right on into the 70s, and uh, there are a lot of tremendous uh, releases. Here's I'm just going to blow through a lot of these because this is it's too much to really dedicate too much time to. But the uh, we talked some weeks ago about the Doctor films, and uh, what a great series this was, and you know how uh, how popular it was. Uh, Dirk Bogard stars in most of them. They came out previously, but now we have the complete Doctor collection. And it's all in one really cool little uh, relatively modest boxed uh, set single case. Doctor in the House, Doctor at Sea, Doctor at Large, Doctor in Love, Doctor Distress, Doctor in Clover, and Doctor in Trouble. And uh, as if that's not enough, we now have the rank British War Collection. This is great. This is also uh, for terrific rank films. Above Us, The Waves, The Great Malta Story, Sea of Sand, and uh, The Way to the Stars, which is also really, really good. Um, but Malta Story is, you know, with Alec Guinness is just a great, great film from uh, 1953. You can't get enough. Sea of Sand is one a lot of people have not seen, which I would also recommend. That's from 1958. And uh, The Way to the Stars, which is uh, probably my second favorite one, is, uh, is, a, is one of those better pilot movies that came out right at the very, very end of World War II. And as long as we're on the subject, uh, Reach for the Sky, starring Kenneth Moore, Lyndon Brooke, and Muriel Pavlo. And uh, this is another really, really cool pilot movie from the Rank Studios. Oh, this isn't just a pilot movie. This is about a pilot who loses both legs. In World War Two, Yes. So it's cool. It is cool. It's a good movie, actually. It's a very, very good film. And uh, this was made in 1956, so it's still right in that, uh, that perfect uh, rank period. Directed by the great Louis Gilbert, who also wrote. And Louis Gilbert uh, scarcely made any bad films. I mean, he really had a great run. Uh, just an absolutely terrific uh, director. Um, one of the more controversial rank films was Flame in the Streets. And uh, John Mills anchored this but it was this is this kind of makes it's not even a john mills film you know john mills is like the main uh movie star in it what this is is the kind of film that they wouldn't even put Sidney poitier in in the united states um really you know a lot of people have suggested that this somehow was a um an inspiration to create guess who's coming to dinner they even put that on the box i would disagree uh, this takes place in uh, the grittier part of London, and it is about an interracial um, affair, an interracial relationship. And it's, um, it, it really pushes a lot of buttons. It doesn't pull any punches, and it's uh, the kind of film that I think would have been nice to see Hollywood make during this period instead of all of those sort of sanctimonious Sidney Poitier movies where he's Those are Stanley Kramer films. Oh, my I, gosh. I, I, I've just... soured on Stanley Kramer, I've decided. Yeah, but you and I have soured on Stanley Kramer for, uh, for other reasons, too. <laughs> 
which yeah, we won't get into. That is correct. Uh, <laughs> oh, how funny that is. But anyway, um, th- this is really interesting because it gets into the racial and class politics of uh, the UK in the 1950s and the 1960s, and it's, it's a gritty film, beautifully photographed, uh, fantastic anamorphic photography, and uh, really highly recommended. Um, back on the, uh, the war front... We've got some great naval titles here. And I, when I say naval, I don't mean that little uh, that thing we call a belly button. Oh, no, no, no. I mean at sea. At sea, gentlemen, at sea. Uh, the Silver Fleet stars Ralph Richardson and Googie Withers. Googie Withers. Googie. Googie. Actually named Googie. Uh, Ralph Richardson, of course, a lot of everyone knows him from Greystoke. You remember in Greystoke when he was uh, Tar- Tarzan, Lord of the yes, Apes. Yes, yes, Ralph Richardson. He was uh, he was wonderful there. Also very very good in Doctor Zhivago. Uh, no, this is set during the occupation of Holland during World War II, and um, Ralph Richardson plays the uh, a, the owner of a shipyard who orchestrates this uh, charade in order to uh, kind of counteract the uh, the plan of the Nazis. It's uh, I don't know if it's based in fact, but it's certainly very, very nicely done, and Ralph Richardson is always really, really fun to watch. This was made during the war, so you get a certain uh, propaganda quality to it. And then, uh, the, really, I couldn't believe I've never seen this film. This is awesome. The Riddle of the Sands. You know who's in this, Mark? Oh, Steve Martin. This is... A film of the 70s. You know that because it has Michael York and Jenny Agutter. Oh, the re-team. Re- <laughs> the total re-team from Logan's Run. Isn't that great? Jenny, um, J- Jenny Agutter was hot in oh Logan's Run. Gosh. She wore the little oh. sheer white thing. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. Jenny Agutter is so wonderful. That's our childhood. We, we flash back to that every once in a while. We're lame. We really are lame. Uh, now, this is based on a novel by Erskine Childers, someone else I've never heard of. And uh, this takes place at the turn of the century, and uh, it's all about uh, you know the yachting uh, uh, just on the in, like in the North Sea area. And uh, there's a there's a weird kind of a, a a maritime plot to invade England involved, and it uh, somehow ties in with the Kaiser of Germany. And it's kind of silly, but it's a lot of fun. And basically, just see it because of Jenny Agutter, because Jenny Agutter is amazing, and she rules. She's still alive, isn't she? Oh, yeah. Is she still delicious? Uh, no, she's too old to be delicious. I'll bet she's still delicious. I'll bet she is. Seriously. Uh, anyway, really, that's a fun film. She was and then, born in 1952. Ah, uh, well, there you go. So that makes her, I don't know, I'm that not makes good her, math, um, 58 or something? or 60-something. 60 60-something. Makes her, uh, yeah, almost 60, 59. So she was... Logan's Run was in 76. She was born in 52. So when she was 24 in Logan's Run. So awesome. Love her. <sighs> but you know what? She was, but don't forget, five years earlier, she was in Walkabout. Yes, true. Like, we almost like, basically, like, almost naked. I love her in Walkabout. Uh, the, and finally, Dirk Bogard, who, of course, was in the Doctor Collection. Uh, this is a separate thing. This is the Dirk Bogard Collection, which is uh, Campbell's Kingdom. Penny Princess, Simba, and Agent Eight and Three Quarters. It is an awkward collection of films that uh, span the 50s and the 60s. And, but Dirk Bogard is a terrific actor, and if you, you love Dirk Bogard, you're, gonna get a, you're definitely going to want to get this, but the films don't really go together. Uh, Campbell's Kingdom and Simba are the two that uh, most people tend to kind of zero in on. Penny Princess, I'd entirely forgotten that it, uh, it even existed. It's kind of a, it's a nice little confection, and uh, Agent Eight and Three Quarters is a... Rather sad attempt to do a kind of a James Bond satire knockoff back in 1964. So, whatever. There we go. Um, Mark, why don't you tell us about um, the re-release of Alex Cox's Highway Patrolman, since it's a movie that I don't particularly have a great deal of fondness for. Why not? Uh, You know what? Because Cox, even though he's a Bruin, and I am normally obligated to root for fellow Bruins, and I love Repo Man, I think Alex Cox is just a little bit insane, and I think his his obscure instincts got the best of him at a certain point. And I don't know that this film really works for me very well. It just well, feels, well, it feels is, disjointed for the sake of being disjointed. Well, it's, it's, it's purposely episodic is what it is. And it's, it's a story of this guy who um, is in Mexico's National Highway Patrol. Yeah. So it's sort of like purposely him going from one guy to the next, one little mini-adventure to the next. And that's how... And Cox knows 
what he's doing. It's not like, oh, really? It's episodic? I didn't know that. Yeah. And um, so, you know, we follow this guy from, you know, his, uh, like, cadet training and, you know, his rookie assignments all up to, you know, how he kind of, like, becomes a little corrupt. What? Mexican police corrupt? I'm so surprised. You know, that's that's almost insulting. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's it's it, it, it's a bit like it's almost like a like a south of the border training day. Yeah, you know where you get this this cop who starts as a young cadet, idealistic, winds up taking uh, taking bribes. But I didn't really like training day either. But, you know what? I I read in in my sickness. You know TBS shows training day every five seconds. Do they really? And I remember not liking. I remember, I remember thinking it was fine when I first saw it, but I rewatched it on cable, and it, no. it's good. Holds up. Does it? Yeah, it does. So when he says King Kong ain't got nothing on me, you know he had lived that. I swear, I bet he had lived that. Yeah, but what, what, what does that mean? That means that he's the, he's the king. I mean, obviously, this guy has inflated himself into being this this guy who rules okay. the neighborhood. Everybody's scared of him. Do whatever he wants. All right, I and guess. Hire patrolman. Interesting film from '91. Yeah. So it's That's definitely fabulous. one of Cox's earlier works, but it's good. Uh, you know, the Eclipse series is one of my favorite uh, creations of the good people at Criterion. And uh, their 30th release, I can't believe there are now 30 Eclipse box sets. This is amazing. The Eclipse uh, sets are always, uh, I don't want to say lesser films, but they are. Um, they tend to be films that would not sell particularly well individually, but they do sell well in, in kind of boxed groups when you group them under filmmaker or star or theme. And uh, the latest one is really interesting. I never would have expected them to do this. No extras here, but really interesting films. This is Eclipse Series 30, Sabu! Exclamation point. Now, if you don't know who Sabu was, you are missing out. Uh, in the 1930s and 40s, there was this... Are you okay? I did that just for you. Thank you. <coughs> Boy, you still are sick. Do I really want to be in your presence? I'm not contagious. My doctor okay. said I'm not contagious. Yeah, that's... I saw the Soderbergh film. I know how that goes. Oh, you saw Haywire? Oh, jeez. Do we have to talk about that? When oh, it, when I it comes you meant Yeah, no. Go, Sabu. Yes, Sabu. In the 30s and 40s, there was a young kid from India who became kind of a sensation uh, in British and Hollywood movies and uh, for a very brief moment, and his name was Sabu. He was known princip- principally as Sabu. Uh, kind of a peculiar phenomenon for the period, but he... Um, he, he wound up in three films in particular that are included in this box set, Elephant Boy, The Drum, and Jungle Book, the original Jungle Book live action in which he plays uh, Mowgli. But uh, I think, honestly, even though Jungle Book is the one that everyone kind of zeroes in on, and Elephant Boy, secondly, which is based on, also on a Rudyard Kipling uh, novel, The Drum is the one that sort of, uh, I I think, showcases his talents the best. And The Drum was made just after Elephant Boy and just before Jungle Book in 1938. And uh, it's fantastically well photographed and beautifully, beautifully rendered here by uh, Criterion and Eclipse. And uh, it's a pretty sad kind of brutal story as well. But he really gets to act and show his chops. And uh, I would recommend this. Anybody who wants kind of to experience that Weird little moment when a kid from India became a movie star in Hollywood and in the UK. Sabu, Eclipse Series 30. Good stuff. You know what's not good? The next two films we're going to talk about, uh, The Pool Boys, oh, is geez. a uh, piece of crap from uh, 2010. This stars Matthew Lillard, who was uh, <laughs> destined to go straight to DVD for the rest of his life if it wasn't for The Descendants. Isn't that amazing? Where he wound up in a couple scenes uh, in yeah. there, and he's very he's very uh, insufferably, just horribly Matthew Lillardy. Anyway, this is a lowbrow comedy about a bunch of, uh, about a pool boy and a gardener who uh, infiltrate this empty mansion and turn into a, a house of prostitution. It's just unbelievably hilarious, and you'll, uh, you'll, uh, whatever. Okay. Come on, seriously, people. What's wrong with you? Pool boys. Uh, the other bad film is something called What's Your Number, which is uh, stars Anna Faris, and I'm going to say I'm not on the Anna Faris bandwagon, never have been, don't get it. Everybody thinks she's like the uh, the, the, the bubbly, uh, crazy comedian mm-hmm. of her generation. I'm just not there with it. Uh, here she plays a woman who looks back on the uh, last, like, you know, 20 guys Wah, that she wah. dated because one might be uh, her true love. Yeah. It's got a good cast. Chris Evans, Blythe Danner, Ed Beckley Jr., um, Joel McHale from The Soup is in it, Chris Pratt. So the uh, cast is not bad, but the movie is just not funny. It's it's, it's derivative and not that funny, and I don't really like Anna Faris. So um, it is on Blu-ray, though, if you, for some reason, want to subject yourself to it. Yes. Go. Uh, there are a couple of films here from Film Movement, uh, which I, I just love supporting Film Movement because I love their movie of the month club 
model. They are one of the few uh, independent distributors on DVD and theatrically who has this really interesting business plan, this business model that uh, that just kind of somehow works, and they, they manage to do it, uh, really picking very, very good films. This uh, The first one here is The Piano in a Factory, and this is this really cool Chinese film that completely slipped me by. Uh, the, um, the lead actor in it won Best Actor at the uh, Tokyo Film Festival. And um, the, the idea here, it's, it almost would make a good double feature with a separation. It's uh, about a, a Chinese couple who are going to, they're going to get divorced, and their daughter says, I'm going to choose whichever one of you to live with um, based on whoever can get me a piano. And where the story goes from there is funny and touching and bizarre and far-fetched and ultimately really endearing. And it's, uh, it's really, really a very, very cool, incredibly original film, a very bright screenplay, highly, highly recommended. It comes with a cool short film on it called The Necktie by Jean-Francois Levesque, uh, which is actually kind of a... It's one of those great little Canadian animated films that has kind of a tweaked sensibility to it, and I, I just love the way the Canadian do animated films. Oh, because you loved uh, no wait was 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 a town called Panic was that no that was French right that was French that was not Canadian yeah, it wasn't no. French Canadian it was just French yeah uh, the Human Resources Manager is the other film movement uh, title we've got here this is uh, a, really a, a very very impressive film. Directed by Aaron Rickless. And Aaron Rickless is the Israeli filmmaker who previously did Lemon Tree and The Syrian Bride, both of which are very, very good. He has not, he's not made a bad film yet. Uh, he's kind of a festival darling. Uh, he also hasn't made a really commercial film yet, which is unfortunate that none of them have sort of soared. But uh, The Human Resources Manager is quite good. It's definitely on par with the two previous films. I'd say it's better than The Syrian Bride, maybe... Not quite as good as Lemon Tree, uh, mainly because Lemon Tree has just such a such a powerful political message to it. Um, but this one's a little bit political as well because it involves a suicide bombing, and uh, it centers primarily around a guy who runs a bakery in Jerusalem. And um, it's fascinating because it brings certain social aspects of the political situation there down to a human level, to an everyday baker's level. And uh, it's uh, it it really kind of it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Again, not as macrocosmically political as something like Lemon Tree, which you know one of the characters in Lemon Tree is the actual defense minister of Israel. But uh, the the way this uh, kind of gets inside everyday life and how the the conflict there affects ordinary people is very impressive. Short film on here from uh, Hungary, a cool little five minute movie called uh, Tell Your Children, which is. Uh, Really, really pretty cool and kind of chilling at the same time. So check that out. Human Resources Manager from Film Movement. You love the film movement. I do. You're always pimping them. I'm, I'm, you know what? It's, it's just a good company. People need to pay attention to them. And uh, you know what, Mark? This is a weird movie here. The Invisible Frame. I love Tilda Swinton. But you know what? She really, she really can do some peculiar experimental stuff you know, now so, and again. Some, sometimes I wish she would just do a movie. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. But she's, she's always kind of pushing the envelope, and I respect that. Uh, there are actually two films here. They're both by a filmmaker named uh, Cynthia Beat, or Bate, or however you pronounce it, B-E-A-T-T. Um, the primary one is The Invisible Frame. The other one is Cycling the Frame. And... Um, the, the the whole idea here is that the director and Tilda Swinton back in 1988 uh, decided to kind of do a – to use the Berlin Wall as the subject of a film. And they wanted to just ride the complete length of the Berlin Wall from the Brandenburg Gate all the way out into the, into the fields on bicycle. And um, a year later, the wall came down. So it wound up being incredibly timely and almost poetic by accident. So you're saying that they were the cause of the wall coming down. It wasn't Ronald Reagan. Correct. It was, tear down this wall. That's correct. It wasn't like you know, Cold War That's pressure correct. and all the money that the East was spending to That's prop up correct. their war machine. And you all just, you know, yes. it was all about Tilda Swinton on a bicycle. That's correct. Now, that was a short film at the time. It was about a half an hour long. And then just a couple of years ago, they decided to do it all over again. And they, they did. That's the, the invisible frame is their... Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're after the wall came down bicycle ride, which is about an hour long. 
Um, I, I, it's not really a movie per se. It's just kind of a, another one of those Tilda Swinton things, like when she used to work with Derek Jarman. You know, there was a lot of really fringe stuff there. But uh, you know, if if the Berlin Wall and and the history of Germany and and all of that stuff has kind of import for you, um, I I guess it's an interesting couple of movies. I just don't know. It's not really journalism. It's not really documentary. It's not really narrative. It's just it's a thing. It's just a couple of things. So That's you're me. saying that it's basically a weird, strange nothing. Yeah. Basically. So if you like weird, strange nothings, you know where to go. Now, you like this movie, What's Your Number, right? With Anna Faris and Chris Evans. Like, I should watch this? No. Because Anna Faris is so awesome? No, she's not. Okay. We already covered that. I know. I, I'm just, I was just making sure I heard you correctly. You never pay uh, attention to me. I know. I never, I never do. Uh, shall we go into some documentaries with the little bit of time that we have left? No, I think we should. All righty. Um, uh, the, there's a PBS documentary here that I'm feeling much more attached to, to be honest. Uh, younger Next Year, The New Science of Aging. As I see more and more crow's feet appear on my face and uh, strange colored, light colored hairs cropping out of my, uh, my noggin. Uh, suddenly I'm a little bit concerned about this aging thing because I'm going to be in a walker someday and uh, Mark, you're going to be in a wheelchair and we're still going to be doing this podcast. <laughs> That'll be the dream. Um, actually, uh, Henry Lodge is the physician here who um, really tackles all of the uh, kind of the longstanding myths about aging. And it's interesting because a lot of it is just, it's, it's all in your head. And I know we say that, but it's, uh, it's really interesting. He talks about how you can reverse aging and how you can uh, really get down and just drill down right into your cells by, with your diet and your exercise and your state of mind and um, really just uh, prevent yourself from aging at the same rate that we just assume we're going to, to age at because it's our parents or our grandparents. But it's a, it's a great health primer and uh, way better than Dr. Oz. Stupid Dr. Oz. A friend of mine produces that show. I know. She says Dr. Oz is the sweetheart. I'm sure he is. I know. Jerk. Wade, very interesting release from uh, the people at Olive Films. I'm surprised this has not come along before. It's called Histoire du Cinema. Ah, the Godard film. And this is a, it's kind of like a video project that Godard did like in the late 80s all the way through like the It's really cool. 90s. It's really cool. It's pretty much the history of cinema as told by Jean-Luc Godard. But it's it's got these weird, cool like juxtapositions in it. You know, that's it's, all he does now. All Godard doesn't make films anymore. He makes th- two and a half hour weird juxtapositions. It's it, it it's just like it's comparing and contrasting movies from different periods and shots that sort of would otherwise not belong together. It's sort of like he invents his own history of the movies. Yes, it's really it's it's a cool collage montage experiment. So I mean, it's very ambitious, and you know, you're right when you say it's about the history of film. It's not like a documentary. Yeah. History of film. Well, it's, you can't really categorize Godard anymore. He just makes these meditations. And this is sort of like a 10-part meditation. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to cough now. You go okay ahead, with go, that? Go ahead. Go cough. <coughs> oh, you poor guy. You want some chicken soup? <coughs> Godard, by the, Godard, by the way, 81 years old. Is he really? I thought he'd be older. I thought he'd be dead. <laughs> Didn't you kind of think he'd be dead? Did, I kind of did, you know, yeah. I, I think Godard is one of those like dead or alive game, game show questions totally. that you might get wrong. You know what I like? I like the sketch of Godard here because he's got that like that frizzy hair, that frizzy hair, and that imposing bald head, and he's just in the glasses, the horn rim glasses. The thing with Godard is that he's because cr- he's still active and still makes films, I know. you wish that his films would be not just these weird experiments in sight and sound Very and true. editing. Very true. Like Godard, get a couple of actors. Get, you know, bring Catherine Deneuve and uh, and uh, you know some French dude. And make a movie. Yeah, but, you know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that anymore. He he really doesn't. You know, Mark, I love my Jerry Lewis. I'm a big fan of Jerry Lewis. Uh, Always have been. The worst. He is the best. And uh, one of the best interviewers of all time is uh, David Susskind. And uh, there was this show that David Susskind did in the uh, mid-60s. And he was, you know, David Susskind was like the television interviewer. And uh, he did this amazing interview uh, show in the mid-1960s called Open End. And um, the, uh, the idea was that you sort of let the actors or the interview subjects just kind of go. 
uh, you know, we're not limited to five minutes plugging a book or a show or a movie or whatever. Just let's get inside people. Let them really, really uh, just kind of open up. And uh, Jerry Lewis does, he goes deep here, and it's really, really interesting, and it's very, very informative, and it's uh, very revelatory. And uh, I think it's absolutely essential that anyone who loves Jerry Lewis, likes even a fraction of Jerry Lewis's movies, maybe even people who hate Jerry Lewis, you should all watch this, because you're going to learn a lot. So this is Jerry Lewis uh, from the David Susskind Show, Open End. And it's uh, been released by S'more Entertainment, at S-apostrophe-M-O-R-E, who uh, really does a lot of cool little uh, fringy archival culty things. Uh, Wait, on Blu-ray is a, a wonderful documentary, and when I say wonderful, that might be a poor choice of words, but it is great, Vietnam in HD. Now, this is sort of a, uh, a History Channel sequel to World War II in HD, and what Vietnam in HD is, it... Uh, compiles a bunch of color footage mm. of the Vietnam War shot by soldiers. Yes. And it is all about what they experience, and it is in color, and they also have a bunch of high-profile actors who do kind of vocal you know, reenactments of some of the uh, dialogue, but it is just terrific. There's a lot of great stories, a lot of heroic people you'll meet, and again, it's all in uh, pretty terrific color for the time. I mean, there's also, you know, there's government footage here there's uh, news footage also but um it's just great vietnam in hd uh they did the same history channel did the same thing with world war ii i think this is better vietnam in hd uh we have uh one of the first uh, blu-ray 3d kind of small batch documentaries i've seen this is arabia 3d oh yeah that's what we want sand blowing in my eyes well the sand can blow in your eyes in 3d I mean, it looks great. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to see sand in, in my eyes. You know. How yeah. about smoke? If, uh, if smoke, smoke were to get in your eyes, smoke gets in my eyes. That's okay because yeah, that was a, that's a good song. I'm funny. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? This is uh, narrated by Helen Mirren. Oh well, that's that's okay then. That's right. But it's beautiful. You know, you go, you go to these beautiful coral reefs and these ancient shipwrecks, and uh, you're you're, totally. you're 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 going around the Red Sea. So it's gorgeous. Yeah. Do you need to see it in 3D? No. Uh, but it's not bad. By a guy named McGillivray Freeman is the mm. name of the documentarian. McGillivray Freeman. And it's Arabia 3D. Check it out on Blu-ray. No, no, no reason to watch it on Blu-ray 3D, which, by the way, is not taking off. Nobody's buying 3D TV sets. Nope, they sure aren't. And, and it, it's funny because I was having this conversation, actually, with another journalist uh, who writes for uh, People uh, at the screening this evening. And she was talking about her parents have just bought these 3D televisions. It's like, Mom, you bought a 3D TV? Why? I don't know. I'm I, I'm supposed to. And and Dad bought a bought a smart TV. Yeah. Does he know what it does? No. Something to do with the internet. But I, we're supposed to get them. Like the sense of duty that we have to now get widescreen smart 3D TVs. Yeah, somebody's been watching, uh, like, you know, Dateline or something. Is it, we got to get this. All the kids are, Stone Phillips says it's the new future. The new future. We're all all cattle. Uh, You know what's a really awesome, awesome DVD? is The the one you're holding in your hand. The one I'm holding in my hand, the Black Power mixtape, 1967 to 1975, uh, by Swedish filmmaker Goran Hugo Olsson, with two S's. Um, this is really freaking great. This is just an unbelievable document of an era. The people included here. This was orig- all stuff originally shot by uh, Swedish television 30 years ago. And the people here, they are all the, the principal figures from that whole kind of black power era. Uh, black Panthers like Bobby Seale and, and you know the, Angela Davis with her just insanely cool and intimidating afro. I mean, really, uh, Stokely Carmichael, Huey Newton. I mean, really, uh, it, it nails all of those central figures. And um, it kind of resurrects all of this footage 30 years later, and it's, uh, it's a great time capsule. It really is. It's so, it so reminds you of how different things were back then. It was, it was a just totally different era, and politically and socially, everything was in upheaval. And um, it's fascinating. It's really, really fascinating about where America went between 1945 and 1965, that 20-year jump is just, it's just it is radical. amazing. I mean, it's it, incredible. It's a total 180. It's a total 180. It's just incredible. It really is. And uh, highly recommended. This is, this is history in a box. History in a box, people. 
Uh, also really impressive is Eames, the architect and the painter. If you you got to know who Eames is, people. You've seen the chairs. You've seen the designs. They are some of the most famous uh, architectural designs in the world. The, 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 Eames, the classic Eames chair. It's like in every furniture store ever. Uh, and there are all kinds of other Eames designs that you know you've seen a thousand times. Um, Charles and Ray Eames, no, not brothers, husband and wife. Uh, and what an amazing pair they were. Uh, this is a, a great documentary about these two legendary architects. And uh, the only thing that I have a problem with here is that James Franco narrates this. He's not a good narrator. But otherwise, uh, this is just wonderful, classic you know, meat and potatoes documentary filmmaking about an unbelievable subject. And this is from First Run Features, who always releases really, really good documentaries. This was in theaters for a little bit, uh, but it's now on DVD, where it's probably going to get the lion's share of attention, and it deserves to. Uh, this is, you know, this is this is the history of friggin' chairs. Kind of, yeah. History of chairs. Yeah, history of chairs. Why not? Sure. Uh, Wade, from uh, the good folks at the uh, Tribeca Film Festival. Well, this played out the Tribeca Film Festival. It's coming out on Tribeca Film DVD. Yes, the Tribeca line. Uh, The Boys of Summer. This is about a Little League team um, uh, from the Caribbean. And they dream of winning the uh, World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Of course they do. Of course they do. Do they do they pull it off? I'm the, not going to tell you. Oh, man. It's an interesting documentary. You know, you, you you get these kids. You know, it's funny because a lot of baseball now, a lot of the players are from the Dominican. Yeah, I mean, it's basically a big factory for shortstops and these players. Oh, I saw Sugar. Uh huh. I saw Sugar. A terrific film. A great film. Um. So you've got these kids, and uh, for a lot of them, the only way out of the Dominican is to play baseball. So these little leaguers are so excited to come to Williamsport to play in the World Series. You know, are they going to make it? Are they going to win? Whatever it is. And uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I, you know, I think there's better baseball documentaries out there. But if you want to get a sense of, uh, you know, what it takes to make it in baseball when you're in just like a horrible third third world environment, yeah, then Boys of Summer is a good way to go. Yeah. So good cool. stuff. Cool groovy. <laughs> Bless Wait, you, we, are we wrapping up the show? Because I'm really going to kill myself. Okay, we, we we got a few minutes left. Okay, we uh, we want to inform our our listeners as much as conceivably possible. Okay, fine. Uh, just a few more titles here. Swastika from Kino is a deeply deeply disturbing movie. I don't know that it is. Uh, they they declare this in their little press materials here. The the most controversial documentary about Hitler ever made. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that there are any documentaries about Hitler that are controversial, uh, you know, unless they're going to show him as a lovable... Be happy smiley. Well, that's what this kind of does, actually. Um, this has home movie footage that was, uh, you know, from Berkus Garden, where they're, he and Ava are frolicking and laughing. Hitler and loved just, dogs. Hitler loved dogs, loved animals. He was a vegetarian. Uh, you know, so th- that that aspect of it certainly, I guess, could be perceived as um, as controversial. But at the same time, it uh, what it does is it really kind of shows him in something other than all of the official propaganda films and all of the official Nazi Party stuff and all the World War II footage that we're accustomed to seeing, the speeches and all of that stuff. It really uh, it tries to create a a more complete context for. Um, who he was and the uh, the complexities of the man. In other words, was he just a straight up pure evil? Well, no. Hitler was a, like a cute little baby once upon a time, you know. And how did that baby become the monster that we associate with all evil in the twentieth century? Um, so, to that extent, I think it's uh, not the most controversial Hitler documentary ever made, but it's certainly a crucial one that has to be added to the the body of work that already exists. And uh, most importantly is the producer of this. And um, uh, that would be, or the co-producer of it, that would be David Putnam. Now, the director, Philippe Mora, is a a really talented filmmaker. Um, But David Putnam has a history of, you know, of course, producing things like... uh, the Chariots of Fire and The Mission, you know, he's a legendary producer. And so you definitely feel David Putnam's hand in at play here. This is definitely a film of great import that he wants to make a difference with, and uh, he does so. Uh, the Killing Fields as well, another Putnam film. So, yeah. you know, you, you feel his sense of the important here, and uh, for that I'm grateful. But, again, it should it belongs with other Hitler documentaries, not in place of them. So, 
Says you. Says I. Uh, the First Grader is an interesting film about, uh, it kind of takes place in this remote mountain school, like it's an elementary school in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And in the film, all these children are trying to kind of, like the Kenyan government gives away free education mm. for lucky kids. And in the film, uh, there's a bunch of new applicants. And he wants a uh, free education. And the amazing part is this kid who wants the free education that the Kenyan government gives away is in his 80s. Hmm. But he wants to learn how to read. He's never learned how to read. He's in his 80s and he wants his free education. So uh, it's a story about uh, the Kenyan education system. It's a story about this uh, heartwarming uh, young at heart man. And, uh, you know, it's pretty heartwarming, you know. Um, you gotta kind of, you gotta kind of put your cynicism away, which is hard to do nowadays. But uh, the performances are great. It's very uplifting. It's a little melodramatic, but uh, it's kind of nice. The first grader, based on a true story. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, worst in show, Mark. I don't like that title. I'll tell you why. <laughs> why? Because years ago, I was uh, I was pitching a show called mm-hmm. uh, The Worst Minster Dog Show. Oh, really? Yes, The Search for America's Worst Dog. And at times it was called... Did you, did you use that dog? Uh, no. Okay. Well, at times... It, see, this is my show. Yeah. At times it was called The Worst Minster Dog Show, and at times yeah. it was called Worst in Show. And it was all about the... Ugly Finding dogs. the most ugly, unruly, horrible dog. Where, like, you'd go out into America, and you would visit these small towns and the, with these horrible dogs, and then the 10 best dogs would come to, like, Madison Square Garden for, like, the worst Minster dog show. Well, this I actu- love that idea. This actually is that competition. This is the world's ugliest dog competition. And apparently it's gone on for 20 years, so they, they beat you to it. Um, but these dogs are absolutely... I, I mean, I don't want to say these dogs are ugly, but they're... They're, they're I don't ugly. want to say these dogs are ugly, but they're ugly. They are just revoltingly ugly. I would, I mean, they're you know, like all dogs are cute on some level, but some of these dogs you kind of you, you you want to wear sunglasses when you watch this. Um, is it is it for everybody? I don't know. Uh, it, there's a there's a certain. I feel bad at a certain point watching all these ugly dogs, and it feels like you're just taking advantage of them. But then again, they don't really care. They're dogs. As long as somebody pets them, they don't know they're ugly. Stupid uh, There are outtakes on here and a director's commentary as if it really needs it. And then there's an, uh, this ugly dog ice cream commercial uh, that uh, actually made me laugh. So uh, there we go. That's it. That's what we got for this week. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, more fun and games and uh, some listener mail and all kinds of good stuff. And so, maybe I won't be sick. And we'll, hopefully you won't be sick. Get your voice back, Mark. Get well, it back. You. Get some. If you want to email us, hit us up at gods at digigods.com. Any questions you want. And we are, of course, taking audio questions. So if you want to record your question, we'll play it on the show as well. Gods at digigods.com. See you next week.